Welcome back to Just Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Colby Olson. As always, joined by Clay Snowden. Uh, today, we're going to be doing a mailbag episode. We I don't think we've ever even done a mailbag episode, um, but we put it out that we're going to be doing a mailbag. So some people hit us up on YouTube and on Twitter. So we have some questions to run through. Uh, there, there's some really good questions that I think will lead us down some fun roads. But Clay, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, the mailbag's probably something that we will start doing on occasion if we get enough questions to do it. Um, it's it's fun to be able to answer people's questions and also just bring um, bring up new topics that maybe we did not think of. But if it's good with you, Colby, I'm ready to go ahead and, and do question one. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, I mean, so the first question is a long one, but we're going to we're going to jump right into it. The question, do you want, do you want to read the questions, Clay? Yeah, I'll, I'll read the questions. I'll All tee right. you up to All be right. expert number one on these. Um, Hagen from YouTube, I'm going to shorten this a little bit um, into two questions. So the first is pretty much what's your outlook on MJ Melendez and Brandon Lau. Um, he has both of them on his team along with Gunnar Henderson and Brandon Drury. So he has some talent that's kind of fallen behind. But um, MJ Melendez, Brandon Lau, he, What's your outlook on them for the rest of the year? I'll start with Lau um, because Lau has been extremely disappointing. You know, after hitting 39 home runs in 2021, last year battled back injuries, and you could tell he just wasn't right at the plate. The power was not the same. Um, And this year I was expecting, you know, a healthy Brandon Lau, like coming back strong, and he started strong, um, but he's really tapered off. He's striking out, you know, almost 30% of the time. And he looks lost at the plate. I was watching earlier today. Um, actually, it's kind of a perfect bat to kind of like point you to why Brandon Lau is struggling this year. He's facing Alec Manoa, who has not been able to get really anybody out this year. He's been giving up home run after home run, giving up hit after hit. And here comes Brandon Lau with the bases loaded, two outs. Manoa's on the ropes at this point. Like, you know Manoa has to throw you a strike. Brandon Lau takes strike one, fastball down in the zone. Brandon Lau takes strike two, fastball down the middle. Brandon Lau takes a pitch, and then he strikes out on a slider on the back foot. And it's just like, you had your pitches to hit at the the beginning of that count, but he just did not look right, like he was seeing the ball right. Um, And I I think that kind of encompasses where where Brandon Lau is at. Just to like give you an overview of where he's at. He's hitting 200 right now with a 299 on base percentage. He has eight home runs to his name, two stolen bases. But it's a struggle when you're when one of your, you know, star hitters or supposedly star hitters is hitting 200. Yeah. And that's a guy who is going to have to rely on home runs to bring great value. It's just not coming right now. MJ Melendez, man impacting the ball great like in the beginning of the year exit velos were awesome like we know the prospect pedigree has a lot of pop athlete i thought it's by low time about a month ago whenever that was when you could buy him low and now it's it's maybe really really by low like he has just not been very good at the plate um i don't think he was ever going to hit for a ton of average but man i i've been disappointed and 
I have no interest right now in in buying into it in a ten in a ten man league. Um, may, maybe in a different format, but right now I'm staying away. You know, I I I think it's fine to stay away. Um, but MJ is a guy that I think you know when the year is done. We're going to look back and go, oh, I mean, like April and May actually didn't really matter too much. Yeah, he's striking out a lot, which is actually uncharacteristic of of MJ Melendez, who struck out, you know, less than 25% at every level, even last year in the big leagues in in 129 games, struck out 25% of the time. This year, he's striking out 32.6% of the time. Um, But the power has always been there for him. And I'm just a little curious as to why a guy that has a 56% hard hit rate, a 13% barrel rate, and he's hitting the ball in the air a ton. 52% fly ball rate is actually probably one of the highest fly ball rates in baseball. And yet his ISO is very low. So I wonder if he's actually hitting the ball maybe too high in the air, like too many loopy fly balls. Um, But his infield fly ball rate is low. Like, it just seems like he's been a bit unlucky. It seems like he he could turn things around here. Um, if you want to drop him and you're in an eight-team league, you're in a 10-team league, you want to go for somebody else right now, Like I don't blame you for doing that. Um, but to me, MJ Melendez is still a guy that I'm very excited about. And like the peripherals below the surface point to a player that could be could break out really quickly because he is hitting the ball hard in the air. And like if he stops striking out so much, Things could turn. Same user, different question here. Um, his outfield, Tatis, Judge, Trout, Buxton, Kalanick. Awesome outfield. He was recently offered a trade. Tatis, he would be sending away Tatis for Sean Murphy, Max Muncy. Would you do that? Me? Yes. Um, I would rather have two really good players than one, especially one that's kind of been on some, you know, injury we all we all know Tatis, but like Tatis, Judge, Trout, Kelnick, and Buxton's a really good outfield. Like you can probably just find someone on the waivers to fill in there. Like I'm taking two for one there. That's it. Yes, simple. Yeah, I think it's simple, but this brings up a a very good conversation to have in the fantasy world, which is, you know, this is a trade where you're trading Tatis, who is likely a second rounder. For Sean Murphy and Muncie, who were probably taken after, you know, Muncie or Murphy was taken after pick 100. Muncie was probably taken after pick 150, right? So, like, in your brain, you're like, there's no way that makes sense. And then you look, and Sean Murphy and Muncie could easily combine for 60 home runs, maybe even 70 home runs. Um, they're both barreling the crap out of the ball, yep. hitting the ball so, so hard. Sean Murphy has a, a an ex-Woba over 400. Muncie, the same. So, yeah, I am absolutely taking uh, Max Muncie and Sean Murphy over Tatis, who actually has been struggling a little bit, um, you know, at the beginning of this season. Like, he's still producing fine numbers but not tati's numbers he's hitting 258 with a 301 on base percentage seven home runs three stolen bases like that's not mvp tati's that's just like yeah he's doing all right but i wonder if he's still kind of getting the swing of things you're getting the best catcher right now in fantasy baseball and you're getting one of the better third basemen who can also play second base dh whatever in your lineup like i like that a lot well like wait real quick like if if today was the draft 
And we knew what Sean Murphy and Muncie were doing. Like Murphy would be taken in the top three rounds. Muncie probably the same, like close to it. So yeah, that that's kind of like shed some light on that. Logan Smith from YouTube has six questions. So we're going to work through these pretty quickly. Logan, thank you for all the questions. This is awesome. This is exactly what I want. Like send as many questions as you possibly want. We'll get to them all if we can, or we'll select some. Question one, what? Blake's what's Blake Snell's worth right now? That's kind of hard to say. How about this? What is Blake Snell worth right now? Is he worth dropping in shallow leagues like an eight person league? He's probably worth dropping in not only an eight man league, but probably a 10 man league. And and honestly, if you drop them in a 12 man league, I, I wouldn't even blame you because Snell has been abysmal. Man, yeah. absolutely abysmal. He's riding the highest walk rate of his career, the lowest strikeout rate of his career. He looks completely lost. And like, you know, I'm not saying just drop him for anybody, but like if there's a if there's guys like Bryce Miller maybe still on your waiver, which I doubt, but like Tanner Bybee or Michael Kopech, like drop Snell and just ride a hot hand. I'd much yeah, rather I agree. That. Use that as a streamer uh, spot. Question two, what's up with Dalton Varsho? I have him as my catcher, and he's been beyond underwhelming considering what the Blue Jays gave up for him. Now, I want everyone to remember Dalton Varsho is a hot name coming in, uh, moved over to Toronto, a lineup that a lot of people thought he could succeed in, and um, he he's a 25-plus home run guy with 20-plus steal potential. I think he had a 106-ish WRC plus last year. I think people were jumping the gun a bit, and I know we talked about this in the preseason rankings. I was kind of like, I'm not jumping to that Dalton Varsho level yet. Like, I, I want to see a little bit more. Like, I understand the powers there and the stolen bases are there. I think he's a better baseball player than fantasy baseball player, which sometimes confuses people because of his defense. Um, overall, like, I, I do think Dalton Varsho will be better than what he has shown. I don't know if Dalton Varsho's the pre-draft hype Dal- Dalton Varsho that a lot of people were sold. I guess so. I mean, I don't know. Like, what did we all expect from Dalton Varsho? I think the reason that he his draft price was so high is because he is the mix of power and steals at a premium position where you don't get steals, right? He's still yeah. on pace, as the question mentioned. He's on pace for 25 home runs and 20 uh, stolen bases. I think a lot of people thought he could take his game to a different level. I thought that a lot of people were thinking like, you know, there's even more potential here that he could do something he hasn't done yet, which. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't have much. I think like if you drafted Dalton Varsho and where you're at today, like he's maybe underperforming a little bit, like he's hitting 217, but still I think he has a little bit more in the tank than what he's showing right now. And he's still performing like decently well. I mean, I, I would say this is pretty much what you drafted him for right yeah. now. What is Christopher Morel's slash line at the end of the year? And what is he worth compared to other top second basemen such as Jeff McNeil? I have Christopher Morel picked him up on waivers. Rowan's he got called up. We all talked about that on the show. I, I hope no one in my league listens. I'm trying to trade him. I am trying to trade as high as I possibly can. And I love this player. It's not that I don't think he'll be good throughout the year. It's capitalizing on everyone wanting that shiny new thing and the guy who hit 
a franchise tying record with Sammy Sosa, five home runs in five games or five consecutive games with home runs. Um, I think he's going to strike out a lot. I think his average is going to drop. I think his power is going to drop. I would say I'm not in the market of going out and buying Christopher Morrell right now. Um, owned in no. what 50 or 60 percent of leagues somehow he's not owned everywhere. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that's just tiny leagues tampering with that, but he's better I than would... Jeff McNeil, is he? I don't know. Jeff McNeil's not playing too well. I mean, I think that the short answer is I don't fucking know. Like, I have <laughs> no idea what Christopher Morrell is gonna do the rest of the season, and I have no idea like what to do about him. I think the best course of action if you have Christopher Morrell is to hold on for dear life enjoy whatever he gives you for the next like until the all-star break because i'm sure he will taper out at some point but just hold on for now why why give up a guy that has nine home runs in 13 games and it's not like he just came out of nowhere and hit nine home runs in 13 games no he hit 11 and 29 games in the minor leagues this year so certainly there's something that christopher morrell is doing right this year um so i see no reason to really sell high unless you can really sell high i think that's like the like who who is actually going to take? I will tell you Rock. what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get Corbin Carroll for him. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's what I'm trying to do. It's not it's not working too well. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think you're gonna get enough to trade. I think the one thing that makes Morrell. sense for, and this is very unique, he can play uh, second base as well as outfield, and a lot of people's second base struggles, right? And if you have a surplus of outfielders, like maybe you'd be willing to even sell somebody who's better than him just because it's so hard to find a second baseman in some leagues, especially if you, you know, your draft one was a bust. Um, Moving on, Bryce Miller's throwing 70% fastballs does not feel sustainable. What does the rest of his season look like? Is he a trade-away candidate or a trade-for candidate? This is a great question. Colby, you being the pitching guy, I want to hear it all about your opinion on it. Yeah, this is the rare time where a pitcher throwing his fastball 70% of the time is absolutely sustainable um, because Bryce Miller might have the best fastball in baseball. And I know that's crazy to hear, but uh, Baseball Savant actually put out an article. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. And they actually, it was literally this topic and they they ran through this topic. Um, but Bryce Miller's fastball, by just about every grade, whether it's stuff plus, um, you know, how much rise it gets, it gets the most induced vertical break in baseball. So that thing is just rising, rising, rising. You can't see it. And it's at 96, 97 miles an hour. Um, I mean, the results on this fastball, Clay, a 108 batting average against, a 219 expected woba against and a 25 percent whiff rate like it's just freakish what he's doing with that fastball and that's middle middle like he's throwing it middle middle nobody can hit it yeah the one thing i will say rookie starting pitchers i am always willing to trade because of innings like i just don't know about innings with, with some of these guys so colby hear me out hear me out if someone is willing to trade me a vet who is going to pitch 180 innings like i'm going to take that trade it's as long as it makes sense you you wouldn't you would rather go with somebody who maybe i mean with the way the pitching market is this year why would you trade the guy 
Why would you trade Spencer Strider? Like he, this is this is it, Clay. Like you have. Let's flash back to last year, and you own Spencer Strider in a league. I didn't trade him. Exactly. This I is held that. on to him. This is exactly that. Like he has a one point one five ERA, a one point eight seven FIP, a two point eight two expected ERA, and I'm actually not that concerned about the innings because he threw almost 150 innings last year in the minor leagues. Yeah, oh. I was making more of a general statement about r- rookie pitchers. Mm-hmm. He may be an outlier. I I did not look into his innings last year, but um, you know, I I have Perez for Miami. Like, do I hold on to him and just ride it out, or yeah. if someone says, "Man, I want to trade you this," you know, seven year vet who's actually good, like I may do that because I don't want to get caught near the end of the year trying to make a playoff push and. You see someone going, you know, it, it always reminds me of the time the Tigers had Casey Mize on the mound and a no-hitter going against the Reds, and they pulled him after four innings. And I was just, like, infuriated because I had him on my roster, and I was just like, so maybe I'm... But, yeah, I mean, the, the, I the answer there is, like, if you own Bryce Miller, hold on unless you're getting offered a legitimate ace. Yeah. Like, he's an ace. I, I don't even know. Like, don't trade. I would just I would just enjoy are you guys, man, so, so, some of these questions are okay. Are guys that are as hot, such as Gorman and Josh Lowe, going to continue playing around this level? How about this? Josh Lowe and, no, and Nolan Gorman, do we expect them to keep that up? Um, I would say Nolan Gorman, I am more... I'm trusting Nolan Gorman's breakout more right now, but I trust both and I'll break down both. Um, Gorman has surprised me in many ways this year. Um, You know, most notably he's cut the strikeouts down because last year as a 22 year old in the big leagues had a 33% strikeout rate as a 22 year old in triple a had a 37% strikeout rate. Extremely concerning this year. He's striking out at a much much better 26% strikeout rate walking a ton. He has 13 home runs on the year and a 316 ISO. He is a freak by every measure this year, a 49% hard hit rate. He hits the ball in the air. He's pulling the ball 50% of the time, which in a post shift world also makes me very excited because he's maximizing his power to the full fullest potential right now by pulling the ball that much. And finally, his out-of-zone swing percentage is dropped 8% this year. So I think sustainable, Gorman, it, it, this is very sustainable from a power perspective and what he could do the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I hold on because Gorman, if you can even trade for Gorman, yeah, go for it. Josh Lowe, are you concerned about playing time, matchups, platoons? You know how the Rays are sometimes. Um, I I don't think he's going to hit He's hitting like 320-something, right? Yeah, he is. Um, He's hitting 307 right now. 307. That's actually kind of his MO for his entire career. He's not going to hit 307, but his MO for his entire career has been kind of like a Riley Green type of player, right, where he he will strike out a good amount. He's striking out 24% right now, which I love. Um, But in the minor leagues, yeah, struck out 24 to 26% of the time. But always held a very high Babbitt because the contact he does put into play is is high quality. Um, right now he has a 
14% barrel rate and he's hitting a ton of line drives. Um, but yeah, man, I could see it. I could see this, this holding. Um, and you bring up the playing time. And I think it's very important to mention that he's actually hit lefties very well this year. He has right now um, a 160 WRC, 161 WRC plus against lefties this year uh, and a 175 against righties. So he's hit everybody. I think he's going to be in the lineup every day. So yeah. Four, four questions left. Reds and four. Fantastic Twitter account, by the way. Buy, hold, and sell these three players. Which one would you want to go out and acquire? Which one do you want to keep for a while? Which one are you willing to let go? Tyler Glass now. About to come off the injury list. Jacob DeGrom lives on the injury list. Hunter Green. Yeah, I had to think about this one for a while. Um, <laughs> I'm still thinking about it. I'll start with Glasnow. And um, I think Glasnow is the perfect hold candidate right now because he's making his return this weekend. Um, and you might as well, if you held him while he was on the injured list, you might as well continue to hold and reap the benefits, right? It, it's Tyler Glasnow. When he's healthy and on the mound, um, he's shown that he's not, maybe not even a top 10 pitcher, maybe a top five pitcher. Um, in baseball when he's healthy. So definitely hold, see what happens there. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. It happens like everybody's getting hurt this year. Um, and that's why I think that of, of these three, I'm not saying go buy Jacob deGrom, but of these three, go and buy Jacob deGrom um, because he just threw a 30 pitch bullpen. You can probably get him pretty cheap right now. Somebody doesn't want to hold on to Jacob deGrom anymore. Somebody wants to be rid of the pain that is owning Jacob deGrom. So see if you can get Jacob deGrom at a, at a bargain and, you know, get whatever you get out of Jacob deGrom. And then Hunter Green kind of made that easy because I, at this point I view Hunter Green as just frustrating clay. He, he plays in a bad home ballpark and he gives up a lot of home runs and hard contacts. Yes. The strikeouts are good, but he also walks a lot of guys. So it's just a frustrating profile. I think I'm going the same order that they were listed buying Tyler glass. Now, um, if that's possible, it's always weird trying to trade for somebody on the IL. Sometimes an owner will say, well, I don't have a spot for him. All my pitchers worked out unlikely, but possible. Um, maybe you do an IL swap with them. I don't know, but like I would trade for, for Tyler Glass now, if I could. Um, Jacob DeGrom, I'm holding. You likely invested highly in him in the draft. You don't want to sell him right now at a low value. It's Jacob DeGrom. I'm not like just wheeling and dealing him in any old deal. Um, Hunter Green, I would sell, even though his value is low. Um, I, I It's just so hard, man. The fastball is getting absolutely destroyed. His pitch that he uses the most... The pitch that he's kind of known for, right? It's not that I think Hunter Green's a bad pitcher. I think he's a 22-year-old starting pitcher in the MLB in a bad ballpark trying to learn how to get through lineups for the second, third time. I'm not, like, selling him if this is a dynasty league question. Um, this is a redraft is what I'm assuming. So I'd be willing to sell Hunter Green. Find a Reds fan out there that you may be able to convince to to give you something for him yeah 2.21 era first time through the order 7.5 era second time through the order this year and it is that fastball 
that has just been getting hammered clay um a 304 batting average against that fastball and a 26 percent whiff rate so like it's a whiffable pitch he averages 98.7 miles per hour on that pitch it's ridiculous but yes it's it has to be located as well next question sue me on twitter now this one was posted i believe before Trey Turner hit that big home run, but how do you feel about Trey Turner's struggles? Is he a hold or sell low candidate redraft question? He is either a hold or a buy. I find it hard to believe that Trey Turner is just going to be what he's been this year, which is what a 265 hitter, 250 hitter with a 27% strikeout rate. He's never had a strikeout rate above 20% in his entire career. He's never had numbers like this and he just signed a big deal and he should be in his prime right now. And I find it hard to believe. Um, so yeah, I, I have to imagine that he bounces back from this in some way. Can, can you do the thing where you look up like similar hitters too? I just want to hear the list of like who is similar to Trey Turner so that we can say, yeah, he's not that like he's going to bounce back. I'm not worried about him. Like it is, it is concerning. We saw this with Marcus Simeon last year, right? You go to a new team, big contract, and sometimes it takes some time. Tell us the similar hitters to 2023 Trey Turner and ask yourself as you listen, is this the same type of player? It's really bad. Do you want to guess any of them? Um, can you give me a team or anything? Um, I mean, (laughs) all right, I'll just name them because they're just hilarious. You got 2019 Nick Ahmed, 2021 Donovan Solano, 2022 Gio Urshela, 2021 Verdugo, who was abysmal, and 2021 Jonathan Scope. Jonathan Scope, by the way, on May 24th, hit his first RBI of the season as an everyday player. He had two RBI last night. Took him two months to get an RBI. That I mean, just think of how crazy that is. He's playing every day. You think you would just ground out with a runner on third and no outs? You know what I mean? Like never happened. Uh, Trey Turner's bouncing back. Not worried about that. I mean, in fact, I, I, you know what? I'm a little worried. Like I'm not going to say that I'm not worried about it. I mean, well, it is okay. concerning, Clay. Like he is striking out 27 percent of the time, and like his out of zone swing percentage is way up right now, and he's not hitting the ball hard. A career low hard hit rate right now, and it's just like it's weird. But at the same time, I don't know how he doesn't bounce back. Like it just doesn't. I, seem I know right. the numbers look bad. I am saying if you're going to take a gamble on a player bouncing back and go out and spend assets to acquire one, he's near or at the top of my list Um, because maybe owners see that as well and say, I got to get rid of him. It's been two months. He's pissing me off. Like take advantage of that. Roll the dice and see what can happen. Okay. Evan Maurer on Twitter. Should fantasy players hold on to Jazz Chisholm? 10-man redraft league. When's he a lot coming of pause back? between us here. When is he coming back? It's a it's turf toe, I'll, which lingers all season. That I'll go ahead towing, and answer. Okay, yeah. you go. So I would say no. Like I would legitimately, he's one of the few people I'm just like solo. And it's not because I hate jazz. I actually love watching him play baseball. I don't love him on my fantasy team. Um and so so full disclosure, Evan's in my league. So I know that 
it's he's getting dinged for strikeouts too. So that's something to consider if that's, you know, on your team scoring. Um, I just don't see Jazz as a player that's going to be able to come back from turf toe and provide some some value that it's hard to say because he will provide value. Um, I'm just like not sold on it. I would be ready to move on. I would be willing to trade him for like a relief pitcher um, option, you know, and just see what happens. Um, so, so, you know, somebody getting saves, Carlos Estevez or something, or um, roll, roll the dice on it. I'm not big on Jazz the, this year in particular. I love Jazz. The problem is toe injuries are brutal, man. Like turf toe isn't an injury where you come back and you're just magically healed. Like that will linger throughout the season. And, you know, not a perfect example, but Alex Verdugo dealt with a broken toe at the beginning of last year, the first two months of the season. He had a 58 WRC plus over that span. Finally, once he got healed, he started hitting better. But like toe injuries to a hitter are very, very important. Like toes are very important. Your feet are very important. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see I, I could drop him in a 10 man league if you really need a roster spot and you don't. I mean, you need an IL spot. Yeah. Dennis Kelly on Twitter. Last question of the day for us, Colby. This has been a lot of fun, but would you trade Trey Turner for Okay, let me back up. This is a standard point league that this person is asking this for. So keep that in mind when you're crunching this. Would you trade Trey Turner for Austin Riley and Chris Bryant? This was an actual proposal. This wasn't just some made-up thing. Like, he has this trade that is pinned happen or whatever. It could happen. Trey Turner for Austin Riley and Chris Bryant. If I have, I'm probably taking Austin Riley and Chris Bryant. That's exactly what I said. As Pretty well. easily. I mean, Chris Bryant is, is playing very well in, in cores right now. He's a 281 average. He's getting on base plenty. You know, are the power numbers insane? No, but he's like one of those. I feel like Chris Bryant in fantasy, um, he's never going to be like what you want him to be. And the numbers will look okay. Like he'll bat like 280 and like a standard point lead. Like he strikes out twice, gets on base twice. Like you have zero points that day. You know what I mean? Not the best lineup, but I feel like Chris Bryant's also a guy that you could flip immediately if you wanted to and get something else like similar value. Maybe you just don't need Chris Bryant in that position. You can flip him. Austin Riley is another player that struggled a bit um, that I would target in a trade. This all comes down to like one player can produce the amount of points that one player can produce. Two players can produce the amount of points that two players can produce. And in this particular position, even if Chris Bryant's on your bench, that's really good depth to have on the bench. Austin Riley is another interesting player that's struggling right now. I know um, he no the most notable thing about Austin Riley right now is his ground ball rate is 47% right now, which is very weird for a guy that, you know, should be a 30 plus home run guy. He's had back to back years with 30 plus home runs. So I would think that something's going to change with Austin Riley. So I, I love it because it's kind of a buy low on either side here, right? Um, no, I, I'm taking the Riley and, and Bryant side. Send us home, Colby. Is that going to be do it? Just That's fantasy it, baseball? Man. That's it. That was a fun episode. I love it, man. That was a fun episode. We'll catch you guys next time for our usual waivers and streamers episode. Um, we didn't recap our streamers, which we we should have because they both sucked. 
absolutely sucked, Clay. So we need to bounce back on Sunday. Um, but we'll we'll be back for you guys on Sunday. So hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll talk to you later. Adios.